Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters. It is the retro show where we look back at games between Newcastle United and other teams. And uh, this week we are looking at Wimbledon. Um, and uh, of course, Wimbledon no longer with us. It's now uh, MK Dons uh, or AFC Wimbledon. It depends on which one you ended up following. But uh, there's plenty of games uh, talk about with regards to uh, the original crazy gang and uh, as always I'm joined by George, Steve Wilkinson, Steve Hasty, Stu Pemmon and Mitch uh, to look back at their own special memories of games against the Dons uh, and George uh, once again I saw it on Twitter today uh, people saying they kind of wait for the history lesson from George <laughs> so uh, away you go well with, with this lot not much of a history lesson I mean uh, once I started to do Wimbledon, I thought, Who, whose idea was this? There's hardly, was any, <laughs> there's hardly <laughs> any games. There's very few players played by both teams. Uh, and then you, you've hit a nail on the head with the, with the introduction, Steve. Which Wimbledon? Is it Wimbledon Town? Is it Wimbledon? Is it Wimbledon EFC? Is it EFC Wimbledon? Or is it MK Dons? They're all uh, branched from, from the Wimbledon... Uh, scene, you know that 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 football scene, uh, but the fact is that the one that we're interested in, the ones that that Newcastle actually played, um, and uh, the other thing is when I was looking through the, the the playing staff, the managers, and all the rest of it, it's quite surprising for a club with very little history. If you go down them, I'll read some of the names: uh, Belfield, Clement, Cottrell, uh, Crosby, who we know, um, Curl. Harford, Hodges, uh, Laurie Sanchez, um, Earl, uh, Ian Holloway, um, Ray Leving Le Levington, um, Tony Phelan, the, and Nigel Rhea Coker. They're all people from that one club who've had quite a significant career in football in all sorts of things. In fact, from the first lot I, I read out, uh, right down to, to Levington, they've all been significant in the <coughs> FA, either youth or training youth or training under 23s or, or working with the manager. In fact, Real Levington's worked with the last four England managers, as far as I can see. So he obviously has has something to give to the to football. Um, and the other side of it is, of course, when you look at the names, there's one or two others that uh, um, will make you want to tear your hair out if you've got any. I mean, the one that irritates me more than anybody um, is is Wally Downs. I mean, he he could start a fight in the phone box. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know any other uh, trainer, stroke manager that's been involved in fisticuffs uh, on the touchline as much as Wally Downs has. And then, of course, take the, the rest. Of course, you have the, uh, uh, the 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 crazy gang that moved on, the Dennis Wise and, and uh, Joe Kinnear, who who again. Uh, we have reason to uh, remember for a while. So it, it was an interesting start from, as I say, from a club that has very, very little little history. Um, the other thing is, um, Steve, that I put some, I give you some photos of the two grounds, Sellers Park and Plough Lane. Can you put those up first, please? Now that's that's the Sellers Park. I eventually went to. Um, and there's another one at Sellers Park as it is now, I think, with the new... That, that's Plough Lane, which uh, you can see was was not a very inviting place to go. But I, I never actually seen a match there, but that's what it was like. That was a photograph of it. Now, that's that's um, 
Sellers Park now with all, all the additions. And uh, the other one that, that's there is, um, is should be the, the, the new Plough Lane. Oh, I didn't the, get that one. I only got three pictures of football stadiums. Oh, all right, okay. Well, well, the new the new Plough Lane is is a twenty thousand all seater, and it's it's a lovely little ground and surrounded by uh, apartments and flats, which they must have made a killing on when they built those. I mean, it it's, uh, it really is. Uh, now, my understanding is that MK Dons are going back there to, to, to what they recall regard as their ancestral home. And, and good luck to them. So, so that was uh, a bit of the background that I looked into before I started thinking about matches. Um, the first match, and I think I sent the pro program cover for the first match, uh, was at home. Was uh, when we played them at uh, at St James's Park. There's the the program, and it was twentieth uh, of September, nineteen eighty six. Uh, Willie McFall was our manager, and Mike Bassett was theirs. And uh, only 21,500 in the ground because we're in, in 1986 we were going through quite a transitional period, in fact, quite a bad time. Um, but the George, it was Harry Bassett, not Mike Bassett. Harry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting mixed up, <laughs> mixed up with the pictures, aren't I? Yeah, um, yeah, the, the um, the uh, the game. Was as you'd expect. It, it was uh, uh, dull as dishwater, and uh, the only person that could that was lighting the game up, of course, was Paul Gascoigne. And Gaza um, did lots of amazing runs, and, and at the uh, uh, eventually, um, in in the middle of the second half, scored the only goal of the game for us to win one nil. Uh, but our team, the team, tells you where we were in terms of transition. Gary Kelly, John Anderson. John Lee, David McQuarrie, um, Clark, Rhoda, uh, Neil MacDonald, Gascoigne, Barry Thomas, Billy Waiters and Stuart. Um, now, some of those names people, I suspect, might not even know, remember now. Um, and uh, it, uh, it, it was, uh, as I say, a, not the best football game. Um, and... Uh, because Wimbledon had uh, lots of names in that uh, um, people will remember. Dave Besant and Goal, uh, uh, Smith of right back. Win Winterburn, the, the, the great Arsenal favourite, ended up with Nigel Winterburn as, as left back. Morris Sanchez at back. Wise at, on the left side of midfield. Then Hodges, who, who eventually came to, to us for a, for a couple of months. I don't know what that was all about, but... Uh, um, and uh, uh, then right, right down to the, the forward line, of course, which was led by uh, uh, Fashionu, John Fashionu, and uh, on the wing was uh, was Alan Cork, a, a quite a re reputable player. So not not a game to write home about, but a one which was only illuminated by the one and only Gaza, um, and scoring a, a pitch of a goal, a mazy dribble, and a nice strike from the end, edge of the box. Uh, and that was Newcastle one, uh, Wimbledon nil. Um, there wasn't, um, how can I say, many antics in the game from Wimbledon, uh, but a lot of hard challenges. There was, there was. Uh, I sometimes think that the various names that they carried, Crazy Gang and all the rest of it, allowed them to get away with murder sometimes, especially in terms of the tackles and what have you. Um, but 
Yeah, it was a bit hard, but they 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 managed to uh, Newcastle managed to overcome that, uh, and Gaza put the finishing touches to it. So so that's my first game. A uh, bit more to say in the second game. Thank you. Great stuff, Steve Wilkinson. Good evening. Your first evening. story. Well, uh, I'm going back to our first season up in the Premier League in 1993 in October uh, when uh, we played Wimbledon. Uh, actually. <laughs> Three days after we played Wimbledon in the League Cup and, and lost, uh, Wimbledon were, were sort of established then as a, as a Premier League team with with some sort of names that were, as, as George mentioned earlier, on familiar names that have played for them. And uh, just picking one or two out of this, um, a guy called Warren Barton who was playing for Wimbledon this day. Uh, we all know where he went on to. Uh, Vinnie Jones, John Fashnu, Dean Holdsworth, uh, to name name a couple, and. Uh, as I say, they'd just beaten us uh, 2-1 on the, in the League Cup round three on the Wednesday night before this game. So it uh, was out for revenge. And that, that was actually a third successive defeat. So while we'd had a, a, a bit of a reasonable start to the season, it was, uh, we'd gone a run of three games uh, with, with losing them all 2-1 as it happened. So it was a chance to uh, make, uh, make amends in this game. And uh, we certainly did that in style. And uh, partly down to the return of our... Probably one of our, Newcastle's arguably one of the best players we've had for all time for some people, and that was Peter Beardsley, who actually scored a hat trick in this game. Uh, his first his first goals is from his uh, when he from his comeback uh, after being involved in the in the nineteen eighties so well. Um, so uh, the game got off to uh, to a, a start when uh, we got the first goal at just at, um, 30, 36 minutes. Uh, Rob Lee took a corner on the on the on the right hand side. Uh, the brawl broke out and uh, went back to Rob Lee and uh, he went in the box and was, was tripped by Vinnie Jones. Now, uh, if you look at the game on, on YouTube, there's a video there of it. I, I think Vinnie all would have had a look at this one. Um, if, if you look closely, I think he was tripped, but I'm, I'm sure they would have spent uh, two or three minutes having a, having a close look as to whether it was a dive or not. So that was the, that was the, the first goal. Um, we got a penalty and uh, Peter Beardsley... His, his running was was very deceptive. You know, you see these guys nowadays that Peter, he, he just he just sort of ran straight, and and uh, I'm sure the keeper had no idea where it went, and he rifled into the bottom bottom uh, left hand corner. So that was put us one one nil up. Uh, that was the half time score. Um, after after the break, uh, about the hour, a, a typical combination of uh, that had it worked so well for us in in the uh, sort of end of the previous season, and this one was was Lee Clark and, and Andy Cole who had a had a great understanding, as you might remember. Um, the, the ball worked to uh, Lee Clark outside the penalty area, had a shot. It was deflected up by one of the defenders and uh, ballooned up, allowing uh, the, the keeper to parry it. And um, it, it, it fell to Andy Cole, nipping in as he, as he always did at high pace, right on the spot, and, and, he, and he volleyed into the net. So that was that was two nil, and then just uh, two or three minutes later, we got the third goal. Another goal that I, I don't think you could do these days because um, is is the rule now that you can't have your players in in there in the wall for a free kick? I think I thought they changed that rule that that uh, you couldn't have them. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But anyway, the, the game the goal was scored by the fact that on the end of the, the Wimbledon wall, the free kick was about uh, about just outside the, the the circle of the of the penalty area, um, pretty straight on. And uh, we, we put two players on the end of the wall. Um, again, nowadays, they would probably have somebody lying down behind them, as, as is the, the case, to put a, put a sort of uh, doorstop in there. Um, 
but they didn't do it then. Our as as uh, Peter Beardsley ran in, um, the, the, our two players peeled away, and it went absolutely in the spot where they were, um, and, and bulleted into the bottom left hand corner again. So that was that was three nil. And then again, only uh, eight minutes later, um, it was it was a slick move through through the midfield, ended up with uh, the ball going out to. Um, to, a, to Andy Cole having making having a shot which uh, deflected off a defender and it, and it went straight to Peter Beardsley who typical control of the ball in the penalty area controlled it perfectly and chipped and chipped the keeper as he as he came out um, so that made it four 0 which was the the final score um, that was uh, as I say Peter Beardsley's first goals in his comeback but that season he went on to, to do really well got twenty one goals altogether. Um, we, we moved up the ninth at that stage, so that was a pretty reasonable start. And as you know, we ended up finishing finishing third in that first season. So uh, that was my first game, a memorable game for Peter Beardsley to come back. And uh, as you know, later in the season, he scored loads, loads more goals, finished with 21. And uh, we, we did really well that season. So um, that's my first game. Good stuff. Steve Hasty, uh, over to you, mate, for your first recollection. Yep. Uh, evening, everybody. I think... Before we start, I can just explain to people that uh, the way we do this is that uh, the, the team gets named and then there's a mad scramble to choose the games. And uh, usually I'm last. So, <laughs> I, I end up with crap. so there's there's very little to talk about in one of the games that I've got. And I've gone to the first game. So, uh, yeah, it goes. <laughs> Grab a ball. Thank you. <laughs> and, and for those and for those watching in black and white, <laughs> actually, actually, Steve, I think I think I sent you a picture of the Vinnie Jones ball grab uh, <laughs> in my pictures, Steve. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> very good, very good. I mean, uh, yeah, Steve, and, I, I know, and I know exactly Sibidio, what you mean. I think what, yeah, and the video one, figure. yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Good stuff. Yeah, a, a little tribute there to Bob Dylan from Steve Hastie as well. That's right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The old subterranean homesick blues. I thought I'd do it the different way. Were you actually uh, at that game? Did, were you actually at the game, Steve, or not? No, no, I wasn't at the game. And that was another re that's another reason why I thought, well, I kind of talk about it because I wasn't there. Yeah. And all I can do is I can just go at the recollections that everybody else has, which was basically Vinny grabbing a hold of, of Gaza and if people want to know something something about what went on I mean it, it, it's pretty obvious but I think Vinny had said to Gaza before the game that he was going to he was told he was going to follow him everywhere and he did and at one point I think Gaza said Vinny turned around and said stand there while I take a throw in so Gaza did and then he started <laughs> then he started off again you know all of these stuff that you hear in 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 the sort of talkings that you do, Steve, where players yeah. come in and reminisce, and, and it's it's always great to hear. But uh, I just thought I can't really talk about the game. I wasn't there, and it was an iconic game. And strangely, none of the lads had picked it because it was a nil-nil, 
and it was a load of crap. <laughs> Good stuff. Excellent. Very original, Steve. You'll not get beaten on originality, that's for certain. Uh, Stu, over to you, mate. I'll try and follow that one, eh? It's, uh, well, the game I'm talking about, I thought it was slightly after that. Uh, on Steve's scroll there, he said it was in April, but I thought that game was earlier in the year because it was a right muddy pitch and everything. Uh, and, it, and I remember in my head, I, I mean, I could be totally wrong, like, but uh, that we played them in the FA Cup two weeks after. Uh, and that's the game I'm going to cover in 1988. So it might have been before, it might have been after, but uh, it is when probably the most iconic photograph of two footballers in British, well, at least for the last generation anyway, last 30, 40 years, uh, where he had a hold of Gaza's family allowance, as he called it, wasn't it? So uh, I'm going to Saturday the 20th of February, 1988. We're playing Wimbledon in the FA Cup. And it was definitely going to be our year. We thought it. We're on a decent run in the league. And Gaza, the, the, he was the talk of not just the town, he was the talk of the whole country, the most promising youngster for a long, long time, probably the best one ever uh, since then as well. And since the turn of the year, January the 1st, we... We had played seven games and Gaza had scored seven goals in them. Uh, so it was that well, we, it was, we thought, right, we beat Crystal Palace in the third round. Gaza had scored one of the wonder goals. Mitch had covered in an earlier retro show, I believe, the, the Crystal Palace, the, the Gaza when he knocked it in the top corner. Mm. And then we, we stuffed Swindon 5 0. And then we got another home draw. And you think, well, that's it, Wimbledon, you know, we're better than them, or as we thought. And the game kicked off. The crazy gang turned up, and not for the first time, they decided to play party poopers. Now, their, their first goal was, a, and I hate to say this, it was, a, it was a really good free kick from the poison dwarf that is Dennis Wise. I hate to say his name, but it was a free kick by Wise. And it, it was headed in. The penalty box was full. Now, we had people like Peter Jackson, Glenn Wood, I went some big defenders. And it was headed in by Terry Gibson, someone else who was vertically challenged. So there's probably the two smallest players at the pitch combined to, to score their first goal. And then uh, we hear the phrase old-fashioned cup tie, but the game turned into that. Now, the crowd that day was just under 29,000, and that was our biggest crowd of the season. And that's because the, what's now known as the Milburn stand was getting built, but there were still some people sitting in it. Where I don't know if they were workmen or they shouldn't have been there, but I can remember there's people sitting in it. And I also remember, with the help of my good friend, the Heed, there was 93 Wimbledon fans travelled up, because we counted them. 93 of them. You know, so we thought, well, look, we were, the, the Gallagher was packed, the, the seats were packed, there wasn't a spare place in the, in the ground. So we're thinking, right, we're going to beat these. We're 1-0 down. Good old-fashioned cup game. Uh, we had plenty of chances. Sarge, Paul Goddard, probably had the best one. But it's flicked through to him, and he definitely knocked it in the... <clears throat> that was a later game. That wasn't, this, that wasn't the quarter of the fifth round. But it was like... It was, I think that might have been about 1990, if I remember right, that, that one. Um, I'm sure that's the FA Cup that's, game, that's like. Yeah, that, that's a cup match. Because that was the, yeah, that was the, the way blue, the stand man. was. And that's where the, uh, yeah, if you remember, they used to get changed at the, at the Leaser's end. And they went yeah. down yeah. to those porter cabins at the well, bottom. more than 93 there. Um, well, that might not have been, that <laughs> might not have been the Wimbledon fans up above. I think that was the Newcastle fans. I think to the left was where the, the Wimbledon uh, fans quite were. Quite possibly, because we counted 93 of them. 
And I thought the war blew that, that day, you know. I'm, I'm probably losing a photo too much of this Ribena, as they say. But I'm quite sure that there yeah. will be. Might have been, you might be right. You might be right. But that was the, that's what came up in my searches for that for that game. So well, well, I do remember that uh, Goddard had a really good chance and it crashed off the bar and then it was backwards and forwards. And we're uh, so it gets to half time. We think right, we're we're attacking the Gallagher's, uh, and we, we started with with real intent. But then another well-worked free kick, and again through great teeth, wise flicked it over, and it was uh, Howard Gill. He was one of the the three degrees, wasn't he, from West Brom back in the day? Yeah, and, uh, I think so. Him and him, Laurie Cunningham and Regis. But anyway, he's the one that knocked it in uh, with a header. With two down, you think, well, that's it. But as usual, if you're, if for those who used to go at the games in those days, there used to always be a roar once we conceded a goal. You know, we'd have a moan and then make a big roar from the pit of your stomach just to try and cheer the lads on. And as soon as we kicked off, we attacked their goal and we managed to win a corner. And from the uh, from the corner, it, it bounced over. Goddard was at the back post and he headed it back across and Spotty McDonald knocked it in with his head and that made it uh, 2-1. So we're thinking, right, we're in with a show, Jerry. Um, and again, we kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And then that's when Fashnu scored the winner. There was probably one of the most... Cleared goals, probably because it was against Newcastle in the FA Cup as well. Like. But it was it was played quite a lot in the in the BBC at the time. Where I still think he hit off his shin, but he, he lobbed the keeper from just outside the box. It was about five minutes to the end, and then that was it. We were done. And they went on to win the cup that year. So at least we could say we got beats off the champions of the of the cup winners. But I think for the, the crowd and the, those who weren't at the ground. We thought we were going to win the game. I'm sure that's the game, you know. Well, there we go. There's Vinny looking in uh, you know, to the left. No, Vinny, Vinny wasn't playing there. Vinny was later. Well, that's Vinny on the left. He played in the FA Cup final. He definitely played in the FA definitely Cup wise. final. Oh, Vinny did play in that game because he had a shot from the edge of the yeah. box as well. And there's Dennis Wise next to him. That's Aye. a, that's a yeah. screen grab from the TV. Now, you can see that the same construction is at the Leasers' end there. So... Maybe well, I'm so glad they're maybe wearing the, blue maybe the league game. <laughs> maybe the league game was that one. And maybe the FA right? Cup game was that one. Yeah. I think that was the FA Cup because if you look at the other one against Steve, if you look where the, the benches were below the, the boxes, there was there was space there, but there's this gap there, it was rammed. The whole yeah. ground was rammed. I think the one thing we can guarantee so, is that that was definitely the same season, but it looks as if aye, well, that, that could have been the league game. That aye. could have been the league game, and the one that you were talking about. Your memory did serve you correctly, and that one is the FA Cup game because there's Vinny and there's um, there's Dennis Wise, and that was definitely. Um, that, I do, I've got to be honest. Well. I think it rings right in my mind that the wore the blue. Uh, I think you're right because yeah, it was a right. goal. Fashion scored. He had the blue top on, didn't he, when he lobbed the keeper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and as you see, I remember Terry Gibson scoring that goal. That's the game, of course, that I mentioned, I'm sure, on an earlier um, retro show where I, I'd queued up outside St. James's Park because I'd missed out on getting me tickets for this particular game. And I queued, I, I bunked off school and queued up to get the tickets. Um, and I was, I think there was 100 tickets left for the Wimbledon game. And I joined the queue on Barrack Road and I was about 50th in the queue. And the gates were opened at nine. We all surged forward and I ended up getting pushed. I was a school kid at the end of the day. I got pushed and moved out of the queue and pushed back a little bit. But I ended up 
um, there was two two windows open at the box office, and of course, those you remember you used to go in in the barrack road end through the mm. uh, through the gates. You would come to where Probably, like yeah. the supporter shop was, the um, the you know the supporters club, and, and the little porter box cabin used it? to be the porter cabin on the right hand side. Yeah, and I ended up at the I ended up with the, the the window, and as I went to the window, I said, "Can I have a ticket for the Wimbledon game? Juvenile ticket for the Win- Wimbledon game?" And they went, "You're in the wrong queue." And I'd been pushed out, and typical Newcastle disorganisation. They'd, they'd decided to sell tickets for a, an away game um, on the same day that they were selling tickets for that. And I ended up in the wrong queue. So I ended up, I was standing at the turnstile, I was crying, nobody was going to let us in. Um, I was gutted because all my mates had got tickets and I hadn't, and I'd bunked off school to go and get this ticket. Um, and that was where I, I rang Gaza. That's when I was told Gaza's number was in the phone book. And and basically, you know, I, I rang up Paul Gascoigne, <laughs> rang his yeah. number, and he, um, yeah, and that was there was three Gascoins in Dunstan in the phone book. Uh, one was John Paul Gascoigne, and there was uh, a Paul John Gascoigne, uh, Paul John Gascoigne, and I can't remember what the other name was. And I rang the first one; it was a wrong number. I rang the second one, and it was his dad, John, who answered the phone. And basically, I said, "Can I speak to Paul, please?" And Paul came on the phone, and then I just. Ran the story off what had happened. I was I must have been speaking at 100 miles an hour, and he says, "Okay, okay." He says, "Well, look, I'll I'll meet you at the ground." He says, "Get to the ground for one o'clock on Saturday," and he says, "I'll see you there and I'll sort your ticket out." And that day, I was standing up by the club shop, um, as instructed, and there was about five or six other lads standing there at the same time. Gaza turned up in his car. By this time, he was driving, and he uh, pulled up, parked up, got out of his car. And he, he basically had a list of names and he went such and such, such and such, such and such, Steve. And basically handed away a ticket. So I got my ticket off Gaza for that game. Uh, didn't know him, hadn't got a clue who he was. But it's a great little, a great little story about yeah, Gaza. Because yeah. a lot of he gets yeah, a lot of absolutely. criticism. He gets a lot right. of criticism, but to, to yeah. actually go very to the generous, bo- very generous man. Go to the bother of doing that was uh, was fantastic. To a f- um, generous yeah. to a fault, Stu. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean the good thing is of all the miscommunication, I haven't lost my mind, so I can get back on the right vena. Get back on the right vena. <laughs> get ready for your second game, mate. Get ready for your second game. All, all right, Mitch, over to you. I will. I picked two, which uh, both have a story connected with me, mate Tim, who I've mentioned before. Um, and I guess if you were to sum the two games up, it, you could say it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And I'll start with the worst of times. It was 12th of February, 94, at Selhurst Park, where Wimbledon were currently playing. Um, and it was a day that started off really well and then turned into a big steaming pile of whatever. Uh, a bit like the day, really. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, we managed to find a way around at the time that the various police forces, in particular South Yorkshire, were very keen to stop alcohol going on uh, travelling buses and we managed to find a little way around it the university ran what they called the sports society bus and they used to run a bus to london every week for anybody who was going to a game in london and so it was a mixed bus with anybody who was based in newcastle at the university so if arsenal were playing at home you'd have a few arsenal fans on etc etc so there was a group who managed to uh, get onto that bus, and it meant you could, because it wasn't a, a football bus per se, it was a university society bus, you could take as much drink on it as you liked. So that's indeed what we did. Um, so we get down there, get to the central drop off point, quick train to Selhurst Park to catch up with everybody else, little group we were. Um, and by that time, we were getting news off the radio 
that the team was a bit of an odd one. Uh, we'd had a bit of a shitty run over Christmas and the, and the New Year. Uh, injuries were hitting hard. We had Hooper in goal. We were missing centre-backs. The only recognised centre-back in the team was Steve Howie. Um, and we didn't have Andy Cole either. What we did have was Rule Fox making his debut, but it seemed like it was a team of midgets against a team of giants, and there was only it was going to be a difficult one. Everybody was worried about how did we cope with the physicality of Wimbledon? Um, and the answer is not very well. At the end of the day, uh, within nine minutes, we were 1-0 down from a corner. Robbie Earl stuck the ball in the back of the net with a header. 20 minutes in, Sellers was on the left-hand side, uh, absolutely flattened by... I can't remember who it was who was playing on, on, on the right that day. But whatever, the ball runs free and Warren Barton put in a beautiful cross... Blissett made it 2-0 with Hooper flapping like Captain Biggie. Uh, and it really just didn't get any better. Um, it was a little bit like the Alamo for the end of the first half, but we saw it out. Second half, we started a bit brighter and made a few little changes to the formation. Then Beresford moved further forward on the left, burst into the box. Vinny Jones brought him down and Peter Beardsley cracked it away to make it 2-1. And we're thinking, great, we're back in it. Only to find five minutes later... The back four go to sleep and John Fashion, who's sitting in the centre of the penalty area on his own. Warren Barton, perfect cross, 3-1, easy. Or is it John Fashanu these days? I can't remember which way I'm supposed to say it. <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh, later on, 65 minutes, Holdsworth made it 4-1 and Wimbledon were really just at a canter. And we basically lost pretty much most interest into the game. We got a consolation with another penalty in the last minute. Um, but it didn't really help. Um, it was a horrible turning into a horrible wet February day. Uh, we nearly missed the train back to the pickup point. We get back to the pickup point to find the, somebody put a window out in the bus, which <laughs> wasn't helpful. And then instead of dealing with it, the police made the driver move on with the window just taped up with black bin bags. Um, and as you can imagine, driving north on a cold February day, that bus suddenly started to get exceptionally cold to the point where it was like ice station zero by the time we were at the service, first services we got to. Guy pulls into the service station, everybody's getting off, we're buying soup, we're buying all sorts. Uh, there wasn't a travel blanket to be had in the, in, the, in the gift shop. Everybody was buying anything that could keep you warm. Gloves, hats, bloody travel blankets the lot we get back on the bus and it's getting colder and colder there's more tartan in the bus than there is in the east stand um and then the cap were evening off we then only had to keep a company once the second the late match finished was the revision song contest um and me and Tim B and me and Tim would actually had a tenner on Germany to win the Eurovision Song Contest. And they were done at the last minute by a Scandinavian conspiracy. Um, so by the time we got home, we were pretty pissed off. We'd been cold, lost a horrible game of football, lost money on the bloody Eurovision Song Contest, and generally not the best away day ever, really. <laughs> That's what makes this show special. It's not about the glory days. It's about the uh, the good old it's days. It's about the shitty times, yes. 
Excellent stuff. Okay. Uh, big thank you to our sponsor, Spider VPN. Uh, Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of your search list for all your internet protection. They are the boys to trust that will take your passwords, your photographs, and everything on your computer. Uh, they are the boys to trust. And uh, skipsandbins.com. Thanks very much again to you. Telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free and pay as you go waste collection. And thanks to Alan G Family Funeral Directors, 0191 389 7245. Thanks as always as well to John at qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle, and the man who does our website, nufcmatters.com, and Jab Signature as well for producing our flyers. Their website is www.jabsignature.co.uk. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor to the channel, please subscribe. Hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner, and that's it. You can subscribe for free, and uh, we do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up to like the video, click share to share it to your other social media, and drop into the comment section to uh, place a comment on the screen or to ask a question. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes or on Spotify and on Podbean and other podcast providers. Uh, we've got a few events coming up as well. The Christmas due is shortly upon us. Uh, the delayed Christmas due from last year, November the 19th, Tyneside Irish Centre, and tickets for that are £12. All proceeds go into the food bank. Supermac and Gibbo will be doing a talking. I believe we've got Junior Turner there coming along to sing his song, and uh, possibly as well the Geordie singer uh, who performed at the Gavin Peacock event last week. And uh, Peter Beardsley is uh, going to be at the Tyneside Irish Centre as well, November the 26th, which is a Friday, and newcastlelegends.com, click shop to buy tickets for that or the food bank event, and uh, quick shout out for the 9th of December, uh, the Bobic Bar in Jesmond uh, are doing a talking with me and Supermac in aid of the food bank, and tickets for that are available from bobics.com. If you want to make a donation to the food bank, uh, then drop on to nufcfansfoodbank.com, Code at UK. The match day bucket is a virtual bucket which you can make donations to, and that is active 365 days of the year. And you can also use the same website to buy uh, raffle tickets for the food banks. Trainers provided by I Am the Renovation. They are signed Peter Beardsley trainers uh, in your size, custom made, and they're a fine piece of footwear. So get yourself into the raffle. It's uh, well worth entering. You've got to be in it to win it. And Peter Beardsley will, of course, Sign those. And uh, just for those who want a copy of uh, Every Boy's Dream, it is in the back page now. So uh, if you're not used to all of this internet, carry on. Get yourself to the Metro Centre or to uh, to Newcastle, St Andrews Street, and buy yourself a copy. And uh, I'm sure uh, some people uh, will probably use that for toilet paper and stick it in the uh, toilet. But there are a few people who might want to read it. So uh, get yourself into the back page. And there's plenty of other stuff to buy in there. Special shout out to Al Walid. I'm not sure whether he'll be uh, still watching, but uh, took him out for a pizza today. Uh, that's what he said he wanted um, this week. So took him out for a pizza. And I know that me and Steve Hasty and Keith Patterson are going to be um, having a, a Saudi coffee and a bite to eat tomorrow, I think. So uh, it should be interesting, uh, Steve, what we, uh, what we get conjured up tomorrow. Exactly, it should be. Yeah, I, I, you just mentioned the back page. I don't know whether there's any stuff mm. left in it. The amount of times he's been in the back page this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great having him here. I, I genuinely didn't expect him to be here for so long. Um, and I think it'll be Bahrain next stop for him next, Stu. So yep. I think you'll be Have you had that Saudi coffee before? 
We're having it tomorrow, mate. I might. Is it oh. a bit like a laxative? Uh, no, I did a show with him uh, when I was in Riyadh, and you can stand a spoon in it. It's that thick. <laughs> it's mud, mud. You know, I it's had like Greek like coffee. Seriously, I had a feeling it was like not going to be Nest Cafe. I had a feeling it wasn't no. going to be Nest Cafe. However, I left, him, I, left him, I left him in the good hands of Jimmy Taylor when I left Portofino's, and uh, he, the, call, the last call I had was he was a heating buffs. So now he's in the Castle Arms just next to his hotel. Of course, <laughs> drinking, of course drinking water. I think Albert Sears has a bit of it as well. So he's had a, he's had a yeah, full introduction in Newcastle there once he's met Jimmy and Albert. What <laughs> uh, were you next then, mate, for your second story? Yeah, and the second one's an away game. Um, and I think I've uh, mentioned it here before. <laughs> Uh, sometimes all the various things I do, if if there's a if there's a game nearby, I try and manage it. Well, it just so happens that this weekend, on the Sunday, the third of December, nineteen ninety-five, I happened to be at a conference at Scout headquarters in 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 London, in Kensington, and uh, I knew there was the, there was a match on, so I was determined to go and try and see it. So I, I took me. Uh, my match gear in my bag and, and swapped it uh, just after lunch at the, at the at scout headquarters. The funny thing is that morning over coffee, I'd said to somebody, somebody I was doing that, and they said, where are you going? I says, well, I'm going to Plough Lane to see the game. And he looked at his footy and he said, what the hell are you going to Plough Lane for? <laughs> so he says, do you not know they're playing their games at, uh, at Sellers Park now? It never crossed my mind that, that, that that's where they were. I don't know why, but I was heading for Plough Lane. So anyway, uh, having sorted out where I was going, I then worked out uh, how easy it was to get there, and it wasn't too bad at all. The other thing about the game is, of course, is, is that it was uh, Joe Cunier versus Kevin Keegan uh, in the game. Now, you know, I have lots of things to say about Joe Cunier. Um, there was one thing I will say, and I think I might have said it on here before, is if it hadn't been for Joe Kinnear, I would not be doing this. Because until Joe Kinnear became our manager, I wouldn't have anything to do with social media. Neither Facebook, Twitter, the lot. I wouldn't do it at all. But I was so frustrated with that stupid foul mouth rant he made. I just wanted to say something to somebody about it. And the easiest way to do it was to sign up to all the social media platforms <laughs> and put it all out in one go. And that's what I did. So that's how I'm on social media now, thanks to joking here. Um, anyway, I went to this match, went to Sellers Park. Um, now, e even then, Sellers Park wasn't a very, very flash crown. But I will say something about it. You know this uh, theory you lads have about the Silk City crowd and the noise and that there's some sort of feedback system. Well, I think this is one of those at Sellers Park as well, because that, that crowd get a lot more noise than... Uh, you'd expect to be generated. And I'm sure that they've, they at that time, don't know what it's like now, uh, they also had one of these feedback systems where it amplified the sound of the crowd yeah. to, to make it uh, e even better than it, louder than it was. Um, 18,602 uh, at the ground, and it was a typical uh, game, Kevin Keegan game. Uh, one of those ways, you know, I used to say, well, if they score two, we score three. And if they score three, we'll score four. Well, it was it was always going to be that kind of game. And uh, the game had no sooner got off than um, Les Ferdinand at three minutes, bang, 
uh, first goal in. Now, unusually, and, and Steve Hastie, now I need to be tearing the hand out when I start to say about this. The Ferdinand's first goal came from a throw-in, a well-worked throw-in, <laughs> something we've forgotten about it in Newcastle United. On Saturday, it was frustrating to see how many times we got a, a throw-in in an attacking position that ended up back in bloody Darlow's hands. I mean, come on, is that all we can do? We, we, we just couldn't do anything with it. It was either up the lane or back to Darlow. That, that was the choice. Well, this goal came from a well-worked Kevin Keegan threw in and, it, and Les Ferdinand put it in the back of the net. The other thing about Saturday, by the way, is and I'll stop talking about throw-ins, otherwise I'll bore everybody to death. But at least at least 50%, if not more, of the Chelsea throw-ins on our side of the ground where Steve and I were, were taken with one hand. Now, that used to be a foul throw when I played, uh, and it still is as far as I know. Every, nearly every other throw was taken by the player using one hand. I mean, <coughs> and stealing about 10 yards, which is normal nowadays, but never mind. that. That's the throw-in run done. The bruises uh, and to it, prove it. <laughs> it <laughs> on, <laughs> um, so um, we get the 18 minutes and, and Holdsworth, who, who was a player I quite liked, actually, um, levelled things up. He... he, he did a good, neat passing move with uh, uh, with with Earl and uh, and the Danish player um, Leonardson, um, and it was in the back of the net before uh, Shaka Hesler could could move. Um, Twenty one minutes, and there's Ferdinand's back again. Uh, absolute brilliant header from a corner. Um, Rocket in the top of the net, top corner, and uh, there we were at 2 1. Um, fast flown game all the time. And, and what I find interesting about this uh, is that when we're in the lead, there was never any hint that we were going to park the bus or try and protect the lead. It was always we were going to try and get even more goals, which um, it, it to me, is what football's about. Perhaps I'm naive. Anyway, 29 minutes, and then uh, uh, Kuku uh, makes it 2 2. And then um, 35 minutes. Now, I'd say this was Les Ferdinand's hat trick, but it wasn't. It was uh, given as an own goal off Cuttingham. It, it, it apparently hit him on the way in, but it, for me, it was, a, it was a Les Ferdinand shot. And and he should have, he should have had the uh, should have had the uh, the hat trick, um, so <laughs> went to half time and that's how it stayed at three two. He came out and uh, it it was end to end throughout the second half, and we got to sixty five minutes and then a bad mistake by um, Peacock letting Holsworth again and that was was three three, but still there was no sign of uh, Newcastle saying, well, we're going to hold this 3-3, we want a point. Uh, you know, they went on and on to try and, try and make it, uh, uh, make a, get a winning goal out of it. Um, the other um, thing is, is that um, uh, the team was uh, Shaka Hislop, Barton, Beresford, Peacock, Howie Lee, um, Clarkie, uh, Beardsley, Ferdinand, Janola and Gillespie. 
Um, now, this is one of the quietest games um, that I've seen Ginola have for, for Newcastle, whether that was because of the way uh, he was being marked or whatever, but um, he was uh, he, it was one of his quieter games. But as I say, the, the big thing for me was were 3-3, and went on to do all they could to make it make it four three, but it just didn't uh, it just didn't happen. Uh, Steve, I think I, I missed the the program off when I started. I think the face of the program of this match I sent you as well. That's it, yeah. And uh, it uh, it uh, it was a, it was a nice program, I've got to say. Which uh, uh, goodness knows where it is now, but uh, it, it uh, and it it made a it made it a good. Day for me, having having uh, uh, gone to London for for a, um, a business meeting and then uh, uh, gone to the match. Uh, the other bit of the story I'll tell you is is that I changed out of my scout uniform before I went to the match and got into me me match togs, uh, which in those days even included a black and white striped shirt. <laughs> um, and when I went through the turnstile, turnstile, somebody from behind me grabbed me rucksack. And uh, pulled us back, and I turned around, and there's was six foot twenty copper, uh, wanting to have a look inside me me rucksack, um, and he had a look inside me rucksack, and he made us leave the rucksack at the police box inside the ground. Why? He saw me scout belt, and he thought that that would be dangerous inside the ground. Well, you know, he, did he think I was going to take it out of the bag and slash somebody with a scout badge or what? I don't know. But he made us leave me rucksack at the police station, in the police box inside the ground and go and collect the corner, wasn't it? Ah, yeah, it was. And uh, I, you know, he nearly pulled my neck off when he got hold of me in my, in my bag uh, behind us. Um, but I thought, well, there's there's a thing. Um, County Commissioner for Scouts, Chairman of the Magistrates Bench in North Tyneside, and he gets arrested for carrying weapons into a football match. Yeah, that would look nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, wind uh, billing through the crowd, through the crowd, flailing your scout belt. <laughs> that's right. But that's that's why he took it. He, did, when you were he, in didn't, there. he didn't. He didn't like the look. Of the, he didn't like the look of the scout belt. So that's my second uh, game, a game which I enjoyed very much, uh, and mm. the one which uh, was a rare away game as, as well, because you can't get the, get the too many. Okay, thank you. That's my second game. Yes, George. Steve, over to you for your second game, mate. Yeah, well, uh, a shout out to uh, Garfield Thompson on Twitter. There was a little bit of banter before the show started uh, with uh, Stuart and Rod Mitch and myself uh, with sort of guessing games that we're going to do. And uh, Garfield got that this was the game that I was going to cover second. And it goes back to November 1998. And uh, the, the reference I made on, on the, in the Twitter post was that the uh, two players scoring their first goals for Newcastle. And more significant was uh, a signing that uh, the then manager, Rude Hullett, who joined at the beginning of the season, had just made, uh, which was uh, quite a surprise. And in those days, of course, he didn't need, uh, there wasn't the transfer window. You could still buy players at any time. And we signed um, Duncan Ferguson um, from Everton. And uh, it was it was a bit of a surprise. He, he had been injury prone, as as many people remember. Um, but it, it, it probably gave us the kind of threat that we'd lost when we lost Les Ferdinand with, with Shearer still in the club and thinking of having a, a, a two-pronged attack with a, with a big centre-forward alongside Alan. So uh, I, I think we were quite quite happy with it, uh, although we're, we're concerned about his, his, his injury record. But anyway, the, the game started and uh, we, we had a, we 
a reasonable team. We hadn't uh, Hullet had changed one or two things, and uh, the, the, we started the team: Shea Given in goal, Warren Barton, Aaron Hughes at fullback, Lauren Chauvet, uh Steve Howie, Gary Speed, Nobby Solano, uh, Keith Gillespie, um, Andreas Anderson playing instead of Shearer, who wasn't wasn't fit at the time. Duncan Ferguson and uh, Stephen Glass on on the left side. So um, not not a bad team, but. Uh, We'd had a we'd had a mixed start of the season. We're we're round about mid table, but uh, you know we're, we're thinking that this signing might make uh, make things improve a bit. So um, we we started the game with a, with a bit of a, a mix up after about half an hour. So they actually Wimbledon took the lead, and it was a it was an uncharacteristic defensive mix up. Uh, Shea given and receiving a back pass, kicked it out, and it, it fell to Gary Speed who passed it back. And uh, I think it was Steve Howie was passing back to, but it, he 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 missed uh, misplaced the ta- the pass, and it went to Marcus Gale, who skipped past Howie and and uh, banged the ball in the net as, as Shea Given came out. So that Wimbledon were one up, but uh, fortunately within five minutes we got back into the game, and it, <clears throat> it was a typical sort of surgeon run that we we might remember from Keith Gillespie. He's bombing down the right wing, ball under close control, got right to the byline, clipped a beautiful crossover to the back post. Uh, Duncan Ferguson was there, but it, it it went over his head. But right coming in behind him was uh, was Nobby Solano, who took it down uh, on, on his chest and then uh, hit it on the half volley into the the other side of the net. So that was that was level game at, at half time. <clears throat> and uh, but the second half, we about quarter of an hour into the second half, we uh, we took the lead. It was a, it was a good passing movement uh, through the midfield, and uh, Nobby <laughs> Solano started to show his quality. He put it put in a quite amazing cross. I think was it was. It was from the outside of his right foot. I remember it going in, and uh, it only came in at about uh, just over waist height into the middle of the goal. And Duncan Ferguson came in and, and volleyed it uh, sort of downward. It wasn't a straight volley, but it, the bounce beat the keeper. And uh, that was Duncan Ferguson's uh, first goal. In fact, Nobby Solano, that had been his first goal um, for Newcastle since he signed at the beginning of the season. So it was two debut goals in, in that match. Um, and that was that was it as we, as we got to the end towards the end of the game and and in the, in the very last minute uh, it was a corner on the right again taken by Gillespie uh, this time landed right on the on the head of uh, Duncan Ferguson and, and just the sort of goal you want of a, a big guy at, at centre half totally out jumped the centre half and headed it down into the, the bottom corner it's, it's just a, almost a perfect headed goal and uh, that put us up uh, up three one on the game Duncan Ferguson. Scoring two, and we think, oh, great! We've had we've got a good sign in here, and he never scored again that season because uh, typically the injury struck about three or four games later down at Liverpool, and uh, even though he came back sort of toward the end of March, uh, he, he still wasn't hundred percent, and he was on and off the pitch, and he didn't really get going until the, the following season when uh, by this time uh, Mr. Hullock was out the door and Bobby Robson had made it and then started to sort and, and got him got him scoring a few goals. Um, so that was that was my second game. Uh, Newcastle three, Wimbledon one in November nineteen ninety eight. Great stuff, Steve. Okay, uh, Steve Hasty. Um, what have you got next for after that first one? <laughs> well, believe it or not, I've got a game that that I'm, I'm sure none of them have picked, and I, I, I'm pretty certain nobody else has picked it. Um, I'm going back to twenty first of August nineteen ninety six. Uh, Thirty six thousand three hundred eighty five of us packed into St. James's Park uh, to see Newcastle United play Wimbledon. Um, if I remember rightly, three minutes in, a wonderful, wonderful 40-yard chip 
by David Batty. Now, it wasn't his first goal for Newcastle. I think it was his second goal for Newcastle. But he chipped Neil Sullivan from 40 yards, as I say, after only three minutes. And I think the, the first recollection, the first thing that I remember thinking was, dear me, not again, because I think it was the previous weekend that Sullivan had been chipped from the halfway line by David Beckham. Yeah. So yeah. straight away it was like, you know, this is this is weird, this. You know, a keeper, it's not very often you see a keeper getting chipped, but getting chipped twice in a matter of a week uh, was quite surprising. But from that moment on, we just peppered Wimbledon. I mean, you look at the lineup we had on that particular night. It, we had Pavin Goal, we had Stevie Watson and Robbie Elliott at fullback, we had Philip Albert and Steve Howie as centre pairing. We had a midfield of Batty, Ginola, Lee and Aspria. And we had a striking force of Ferdinand and Shearer. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that is pretty close to probably my favourite team at, at, at Newcastle that I watched. I mean, the quality that was there was, was unbelievable. I think the only person missing from it, or the only people missing from it from that, that period would be Peter Beardsley and Lee Clark. And Lee was on the bench anyway. But uh, as I say, we peppered that, that team and Ginola was just sublime. The crosses he was putting into Alan Shear were just amazing. Uh, but Shear just could not get on the end of it or the keeper would make a save or it would just go over the bar or he would get pulled back and be demanded a penalty that wasn't coming because the referee was having none of it. Second half, it was it was virtually the same. Ferdinand had a great effort when he was put through. That, that Sullivan redeemed himself with with a good save. He then made a good save from Rob Lee. Um, and which it was just constant, constant. But everybody in that 36,385 crowd were being for a goal from one man. And that was Shearer, because this was Shearer's debut, his home debut at St. James's Park. And try as he might, the ball just wasn't going to the net. And we were just thinking, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And he put, I think he put the ball in the back of the net and it got disallowed, which he wasn't very happy about. He was disallowed for offside. But then on the 88th minute, he gets brought down on the edge of the box. And that was it. We just knew at that point. And Chris Parry, uh, who brought him down, you, you just thought to yourself, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. The, the lined up. And Shearer just hit this ball from 25 yards. It went straight around the wall and straight into the top corner at the Lee's end. And the roof just came off. And anybody who wants to, who wasn't there but wants to imagine what it was like, if you if you go on YouTube and you watch it, but at the same time put the volume up, the cheer comes before the ball hits the back of the net. You can hear the roar before the ball hits the back of the net, because everybody knew where that ball was going to go. And we're just so certain. And it was just so sweetly struck. And Shearer peeled off and he's got his first game of goal for Newcastle out of the 206 that he ended up. Um, absolutely tremendous. Absolutely fantastic. Um, to be there at the, at, when a player makes, a, a player who you knew was going to be an iconic player for Newcastle scores his first goal. Um, and then to be there and, and seeing so many of the other goals that he put in was just absolutely unbelievable. Um, and as I say, those 36,000, the noise that were made, Steve, rest of the lads, you'll all remember it because I'm sure you're all there. Um, yeah. It was just sublime. It was just one of those spine-tingling moments that you get where, you know, everybody's just euphoric as the man who scored the goal. 
And boy, was he euphoric at getting that because I think for the previous 87 minutes, he thought it wasn't going to happen. And I think most of us were thinking we're going to have to wait till the next game. But uh, thoroughly enjoyed the game, thoroughly enjoyed the performance. Uh, some, As I said, some fantastic players on that pitch. Uh, and when you look back at the quality that we had then, let's hope that when we're moving forward, that we can have players of, of such sublime quality playing for us in the future. But uh, that was my second game. I redeemed it a little bit. The lads let us off, either that or they forgot about Shira's uh, debut goal. But I think they were they were going for the glory. They were going for the, great, the games with plenty of goals. And maybe he's just missed that one off. Unless, of course, they felt sorry for us. And I, I, <laughs> they'll all say they did, but I, I, I'll reserve judgment on it. <laughs> great stuff, Steve. Great stuff. Great memories as well from that particular day. As you say, the roof came off uh, for, for that goal in particular. Stu, over to you, pal. Well, I was going to do that one. Um, and then the other one I was going to do was the League Cup away when we played at Sellers Park on the on the Wednesday night after we'd just played Southampton on the Sunday yeah. when uh, Andy Cole went AWOL and then Clark, he got brought off. Remember, and he, he kicked yeah. the water thing and Keegan oh. took a big hoof and dropped them both the following yeah. game. But because the first game I did, we got beat, I didn't want to do another one that we got beat. So I picked the one that we drew, which was in August 1999. We drew threes each. And I was sitting in the Wimbledon then. Um, I'm sure I've mentioned in the past show I had a friend who was a Wimbledon fan. Uh, when I did a bit of work in London, he he was up our, our way. He won $1.2 million in Vegas. So he was the Wimbledon fan. He got me and the heat tickets for that game in the Wimbledon end. And there was more than 93, but not that many more. So we were sitting there and we were in there. This was the, like, the last throws of the Rude Hullet reign. Uh, we'd lost the first three games of the season. This was game four. Uh, Shearer was suspended. Rob Lee was banished to the kids. It wasn't even the reserves, was it? He was just totally kicked out. So to replace Alan Shearer and Rob Lee, he picked Paul Robinson and Jamie McLean. Uh, McLean, sorry. And, and that's that was who was going to replace two of our probably all-time favourite players. But anyway, we started the game with a point to prove because we hadn't won a game all season. Um, and the, the first goal was a great cross from Nobby. And then if you ever want to see, uh, if, you were, if you're if you too young or if you can't remember Gary Speed and, and the headers he used to score, this was a trademark Gary Speed header. Arriving late, leaping like a salmon and crashing the ball like with unerring accuracy straight into the net. And we're 1-0 up and think, right, here we go. And then the second goal was by uh, Didier Domi. He played a 1-2 and the weight of the pass by Nobby again made made the goal. And Domi just got in front of the defender and put it into the bottom left corner of the Leases end. So we're 2-0 up, easy street. And it was, seriously it was, it was a case, the sun was shining, it was a case of how many... Maybe we are getting rude, rude, sexy football. Yeah, late, like, but maybe we were going to get it. And then they scored just before half-time. Uh, I can't remember his name who uh, scored it. Uh, Michael Hughes. Michael Hughes. And he was small as well. So I don't know what it was, but small Wimbledon players scored against us. And I'm, I'm waiting for some jokes about Wombos or something, but... He really was uh, another small, but he, he wasn't ahead of this one. He, he just, it was a crossover and he swept in at the back post. 
But straight from the the kickoff, straight after half time, we got and to this day, even now with VAR, was never a penalty. But we're getting given a penalty. The kid Spire with the defender behind his back, and he's looked across it, and it's the guy's got his arms between his uh, at his side, and it's it bounced off his arm. We've appealed for a penalty. Uh, the ref was very kind enough to give us it. Nobby slots at home, and you think right three one. Bets up, here we go. And then they, they bring on a, a def, uh, well, a defender he was, but uh, he wasn't really renowned for his goal scoring. There's a guy who's done quite well in management in the lower leagues, Gareth Ainsworth. They bring him on as a sub, and he scored again with a, well, I think his first one was a header anyway. But the, the, the second goal was an injury time. We thought we won. Would I, in my head, would won. I think everyone else have thought it would, even the Wimbledon fans I'm sitting. We'll say, at least we got one back, it looks all right. And then he received the ball on the left-hand side of the box and he just seemed to like go, not go past them, uh, the defenders, because the, the first the first goal was a mess-up between Goma and Marcelino. But this one, he went past the right-back, past the centre-back, but just ran past them. He didn't actually run past them towards the goal, just uh, vertically with them, until he found a space and just knocked at the bottom corner. It was like the 95th minute or something. So that put a dampener on it. Tony was very boyish, uh, buoyant, sorry, uh, until we got him back to the King's Court or the Flying Bar Stool, as it used to be called. And he had to pipe down a bit from his, uh, we're only little Wimbledon, we're just drawn against the bank in Newcastle. But it was good fun. So threes each, and then you think, right, okay, we deserve to win, we should have won. We've got a game at home in four days' time. It's a derby game, it's against the Macombs. Big Al will be back from suspension. Duncan Ferguson's going to be back from his injury. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that one, but at least they got rid of Rudolf at that day. So that was that was my second game. Great stuff, man. Okay, Mitch, finishing off with you. Yeah, and my game in contrast to the other one would be considered the best of times. Twenty uh, first of October, nineteen ninety five. We played Wimbledon at home and it was a, a wonderful result with, with, where we beat them six brackets, six for those who like a video printer, one. Um, we were buoyant, but Barton in the side and he was kicking in really well. Um, pretty much, uh, I think, because we were meeting people to get away tickets, uh, Tim and myself ended up in the in the three bulls' heads. Um now, anybody who knows Tim, and my dad had confirmed this, we used to call Tim Golden Balls. Because yeah. if, if there was a, a bet to be won, he would win it. He would well, walk past the front. I thought it was from fruit... your dad's scouting days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, wa- he'd, he'd walk past the fruit machine and it would pay out, you know. Um, or he'd turn up when you just put a pound in and go, hold the bells, cancel, hold that, hold that, cancel, hit start. And the jackpot would drop. You know, it was just ridiculous. Um, and so, as we come out of the pub, head up towards the ground, uh, we went past the little Ladbrokes at the bottom of St. Thomas's Street next to the charity shop. He says, let's dive in. We'll check the odds and get my bets on here rather than doing it in the ground. Great. Okay, any bother. As we walk through the door, he does a typical Tim thing. Looks at the screen and there's a dog race about to start. And he just says, gives a fiver. And if he ever said that, he just did it. Because he races up the counter, how's a bet on? The dog comes in and we're both flush. So, great start of the day. And while we're in, we're having a look at the bets. And I think it's probably the pre match alcohol. Uh, however, the, we could see on the, the, the correct score betting, 6 1. 
And it was 125 to 1, something like that. Because I was flush, I had a fiver on it. Daft fiver. Uh, and off the ground. Go, didn't think anything of it after that. The game itself started off really crappy. Uh, about first half hour was really scrappy, bit bit a bit of a nothing game. And then 31 minutes, the game came to life. We got a corner, it was cleared out. The centre-back stayed up. Barton put a beautiful cross in and how he headed it in the top corner, 1-0. Great. Then Ginola decided it was time for him to wake up. About five minutes later, he turns the, <laughs> turns the, turns the right back inside out. Perfect cross, 2-0, uh, Les Ferdinand. Then it was Gillespie's turn to turn it on and just before half-time, cross from the right-hand side and there's Ferdinand again, stooping low and the ball goes into the net. Second half starts and about 55 minutes in, uh, their keeper comes out of the box and goes on a rash sliding challenge. Um, I forget who it was who he brought down, uh, but basically ended in a red card for a keeper. They had already used all their subs and they didn't have a keeper on the bench anyway. So up steps Vinnie Jones to take the gloves to much mirth in the Gallagher end in particular. And to be fair, the lad did really, really well. And, and I think he went up in everybody's estimation that day. Because not only did he chuck himself into the into the fray, um, he did. He, the first thing he did was making a ridiculous double save. You know, and, and he got as much cheer from us as he did from his own fans. But then 59 minutes... Uh, Lee Clark, he hit a strike that I didn't care which keeper was in goal, they wouldn't have stopped it. Into the top corner, four out. Then, straight from the kickoff, they end up at the other end and Gale manages to pull one back. It goes to 4-1. Um, and I'm still not thinking anything of it, really. Um, I, I don't have a, didn't have a regular bet like Stu did. I was never really thinking about, about how the, the betting was going. And then on 63 minutes, Ferdinand got another one to make it five. And Tim just turns around and he says, hey, your bet's on here. And I genuinely forgot about it really. And then, and then, I, then I looked and I said, look, they've got 10 men. It's, it's there's still nearly half an hour to go, man. This isn't coming in. This is going to be seven or eight. But it wasn't to be the case. And then by that time, the people around were and some of the lads sitting with were had heard the discussion and they're like, You've got a bet on you've got a bet on six one. He's got a bet on six one, he's got a bet on six one. So of course, eighty nothing happens until the eighty fourth minute and Albert Albert makes it six one and that's it. There's a whole section of the of the bar eighty ninety two whistling for full time. because <laughs> this lad's got a bet on, this lad's got a bet on. Um and that was the longest, I think there was about four minutes of injury time as well. It was the longest bloody um, 15 minutes of me bloody life I reckon uh, waiting for this bet to come in because I was convinced they were going to score again but final whistle goes uh, and um, quite a few pounds to the good and we had a good evening was had by all and a good day was had by all so very much the best of times Great stuff, some great recollections and uh, just a special mention of course to Mirandina who uh, in a fixture against Wimbledon I think kicked John Bess uh, Bess uh, Dave Besson up the backside yeah, <laughs> that might have been that league game, Stu. But uh, yeah, it was uh, another another memory that another memory that stands out from uh, some good fixtures. You see, I told you it would be easy, lads. We've gone in extra time again. I knew this one would be uh, better than you thought. 
Uh, but yeah, great stuff, some great stories. And as always, we always finish off the retro show uh, with a few teasers for the lads to see whether I can catch them out or to see whether they can get a full house and we start uh, tonight. Um, I think with probably the hardest um, celebrities that I could oh, I've ever had to try and find. And I, I am str- I was struggling, lads. So if I was struggling to find celebrities, uh, then I know for a fact that you will probably struggle with some of these uh, faces. But um, I'll start with uh, I'll start with the harder ones and uh, progress to the, the slightly easier ones. So uh, here's the first ones. In the middle there. Yeah. Well, do we have to name them? Of course, you get a point for each. Oh, God. Oh. Okay, we'll start, we'll start with the late we'll start with the, the the lady. What was she called? Oh my god. It was Madame something, wasn't it? Correct. Half a point. Yeah. Oh. Madame Cholet. Cholet. Oh, never got that. Oh, Madame Cholet. Um, okay. I'll give you another point. Somebody somebody said give us the names that you said. Marmaduke. Marmaduke's in um, there. Uncle, Uncle Bulgaria. Orinoco. Orinoco. Orinoco, yeah. I think that's a bit. It's, that's as much as I can remember. Yeah. There's another one which is quite good, uh, which which is on the picture. Began with a T. John Terry. He'd <laughs> <laughs> have a Chelsea shirt on if he stand at the side. Uh, exactly. Oh, oh, what was his name? Oh, I think oh. you could get us yet. There was there was uh, two with a T actually. One was quite a long name, and the other one was a short. It, it name. sounded like a oh, like Tobler or something like that. Tob, 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 very close. Tob, 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 Well done, Tob, Yep. There was also Stepney, Tomsk, and mm. Bungo and Wellington, of course. Wow. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's um, that's yeah. That, I'm just, I'm just seeing that. I'm just seeing that comment from John Allen there. It's like a hasty lookalike convention. He says, "There's <laughs> 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 a wumble behind them as well, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah, that's the... A the wumble's all over the place. But I'm looking for the woman in front. Ah, uh, Olympian. <laughs> I forgot to look for them this week. It's not, it's not Jenny Meadows, is it? No. Oh, is it is it one of the Olympic boxers? It's definitely uh, an Olympian, if I remember rightly. Hockey player. It's Sophie no. Hoskin. No. Uh, mean anything to you guys? No. Yeah, <laughs> very difficult as I said, slightly easier, oh. especially for Mitch. That's Mumford from Mumford and Sons. Marcus Mumford, of course, uh, has a, an active part. Good thing is, these are actually Wimbledon fans. Yeah, me, who's that? Looks like Jurgen Klopp, doesn't it? <laughs> very like him, yeah. No. Nah. John Green. All right. Don't ask. Yeah. Don't ask. Who? 
John, exactly. John Green. Uh, I used to have a boxer called John Green, but it's not him. Uh, OK, um, that was very difficult. It was difficult for me, difficult for the lads, but we got there in the end. Players and managers yeah. are a lot easier, and you've already mentioned most of these anyway, in fact, if not all of them. The difficulty might be in, in finding who is who on the photographs, but I think most of them are fel uh, fairly self-explanatory. So we'll start uh, with this guy. That's Warren, Warren Barton. 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 Your mistakeable centre Parton. Very young. Very young indeed. Uh, Joe. 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 Oh. Oh. Big Joe. Carl Court. Carl Court, of course. Hey, Sayerstead is a bit ahead of the time, isn't it? That's Pete. Is that Peter With? Correct. Peter With. Yes. He was a manager of Wimbledon. Right. He was. Ah. That's Andy Thorne. Andy Thorne. Andy Thorne. Andy Thorne, of course. Mick Harford. Mick Harford. Been on the show many a time, uh, hard as goat's knees, Joe Allen used to yeah. describe him as. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dennis Wise. Feel free to boo, George. Yeah, boo. George, <laughs> hey, <laughs> start the best, argument best in a telephone memory, box. Best, best memory of him is when he uh, painted at Chelsea when he tried to have a goat shoulder. And he, he, he looked up and he, when he realised Still six foot of shoulder up. He backed off, backed off quick. He backed off quick. I thought, ah, typical bully. Only saw what was facing him. Yes. <laughs> well, he wasn't, very, wasn't very popular Dave with uh, black cab drivers in London, was he? No, he wasn't. Uh, no. Dave Besson, of course, Dave still Besson. the only goalkeeper yeah. over six foot five who was lobbed every game at Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> That's Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson, yeah. of course. And the last one. Is that Glenn Hodges? It is Glenn Hodges. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Good stuff. It's a wonder anybody got him because he was here that uh, few years plus days, as we said. So, uh, okay. Steve, uh, did, you, did you do a team? I did do a team, I. Well, we'll come to you yes. first because you're feeling hard done by. Ah, thanks very much. I put best. Put Besson in goal, and I had a back three of Harford, Thorne. Mind, we had to use we had to use AFC Wimbledon and Milton Keynes Bond players here. Uh, Andy Thorne in, in Tavernier, now at Glasgow Rangers. He was on loan there. Um, midfielder Dennis Wise, Diddy Hammond, because he was on loan. Uh, Hodges and uh, Townsend, and up front I had Carl Court, Harford, and Robinson. And uh, I went for Joe out of sentimental reasons, uh, obviously. Plus, he did drink in the time side. I was sentimental now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, Stu, we'll go with you, mate. Uh, Dave Besant in goal, back three of Barton, Tavernia, and Andy Thorne. Dennis White, uh, Haman, and Hodges in midfield with Alan Smith just in front of them. And then Carl Court, Mickey Bridges, and Mick Harford up front. And I wasn't too keen of putting uh, Joe Kinnear as the manager, so I did uh, Haman as a player coach because that's what he was when he went there. Okay, Mitch. I went Besant and Cole, same back three of Barton, Thorne, and Tavernia. Haman sitting in front of the back three, then a midfield for Paul Robinson, Glenn Hodges, Alan Smith, and Andros Townsend, who was on loan at Wimbledon, I believe. 
uh, Carl Court and Mick Harford up front, and uh, you have to go with Joe Kinnear just for comedy value. <laughs> <laughs> you do, yeah, you do. Steve Wilkinson? Uh, very similar to what we've got. Dave Besson, back three, James Tavernier, Andy Thorne, Warren Barton, uh, middle four, Andros Townsend, Glenn Hodges, Stiddy Haman, Alan Smith, up front, Michael Bridges, Mick Harford and Carl Court. And for the same reasons as others, I couldn't pick Joe Kinnear, so I'll go Peter with. Manager. Okay. Fantastic. George? Uh, very similar. Dave Besant, uh, Warren Barton, uh, James Tavernier, um, Alan Smith, Andy Thorne, Dennis Wise, uh, Lewis Guy, who, who I thought was a, a player we let go, but shouldn't have done. Um, it was, uh, let's see, Nine was Carl Court, sorry, ten, uh, Paul Robinson, and eight was Michael Bridges. Uh, and like others, I used players from MK Dons as well to make up the 11. And uh, although, you know, it, he is a bit of a clown, I too, for sentimental reasons, just picked Joker as the manager as well. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, fantastic show, lads. Great night. And uh, next week, uh, we're doing Watford. Uh, so get your heads around that. Uh, Watford next week and Watford. next. Try to be fair on. Try to be fair on Steve Hasty and let him have a game that he wants to do, please, lads. All right. I'll see you next week. <laughs> I'll see you in January. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, man. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. Bye.